0: On this week's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Amy Reese. Amy runs Elite Force Safety, the health and safety training and consultancy business delivered by military instructors. Amy Reese, how thrilled am I to have you on my show? I'm elated you've agreed to do this. I've watched your content loads. You're really impactful on LinkedIn and you know the drill. I'd love to get to know you and so the audience. So, you know, we'll ask you some questions around kind of your your past and really go back as far as you'd like to go and as deep as you would like to go. But I just want to say thank you for coming on firstly.
1: No, thank you so much for inviting me. As I'm always like, whenever anyone asks me to do anything, I'm really flattered. because so I'm like, really me? <laughs> Why do you want to talk to me? So yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on and speak to you.
0: Brilliant, thank you so much. So um, talk to us about your kind of, if if you don't mind, kind of from almost from your school days all the way up to now. We're, we're kind of interject, but just 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 go for it.
1: Yeah. So I was. It's funny actually. I don't really remember that much from my childhood. Um. There's like a few few things I remember, but I've had it before. I'm talking to my sister and she's like, Oh, do you remember this? I'm like, No. And I think I've just blocked a lot of it out. Um, but I didn't have like a bad childhood, I would say. Like my I'm one of four and I was brought up by uh, single parents. My mum brought us up. Um, my dad left when I was eight and my youngest brother was two. So she she brought up basically on her own she didn't have much outside help because she just wasn't she wasn't she still isn't um the type of person to ask for help she's very independent very strong and will just get on with it and and do what she needs to do which is something that I've like, really admire but can also see fault in because she really pushed herself like hmm. too far um which is something that I've been I've kind of taken from her but I'm trying to ask for help a bit more because I think it's really important. Um but yeah so single single parent brought up four children. Um yeah I just I was always really quiet like throughout I just remember always having comments been like oh, I'm so quiet or I just I just was like all through school, probably up I, I still am now, I still have my moments now, but <laughs> up until probably like mid twenties. Yeah. Um I was just really shy really say i'm introverted but i don't think i actually am an introvert which is quite quite funny um but also like Mm -hmm. i remember one of the memories that i've got like from school from my primary school is it was like the day after my dad my mum and dad sat down and said that my dad was leaving so i was i was like eight years old yeah and i remember going to school and um the teacher went oh did you have a nice weekend and i was like yeah it was all right my mom and dad are getting divorced and she's like oh i'm so sorry but i was like so blase about it right and then was like i remember like seeing her i've like, been really shocked that like, i was just like yeah mm. no it's fine like wow. and it's really strange that i like remember that but i think um a lot of that is from being the eldest as well
0: okay so yeah. a
1: lot of like having to be feeling like I had to be strong and had to like yeah. hold it together mm. um, and I think I've taken that kind of through my life really yeah as to my attitude to think it's just like my mum just get on there it, just it'll be fine just work it out
0: <laughs> mm, it's difficult isn't it I mean you know in, in our kind of modern times you know a lot of a lot of us in in this kind of age bracket have divorced parents it's kind of almost almost the norm and it, obviously it shouldn't be but I think I think it's never a good time for for your parents to divorce but at the age of eight you're kind of like in that place where you're kind of you're just forming you kind of understand what's going on you know you're you know you're still a child but you are kind of a young adult as well in in a way and you being blase about it was 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 obviously a conscious thing but subconsciously how did you think it affected you and you know I know your mum you talk, you you a lot from your mum about being independent and but you're obviously carrying a huge kind of loss wasn't you
1: yeah, I think I would say that it affected me less than it did my brothers and sisters going through through life. And I don't really know why that is, but maybe it is just that attitude of just, just getting on with it and just yeah. like work it out. Um, yeah, I don't really know. It's weird. I, I just never really, I've only really recently started to accept that it probably has affected me more than I thought it did. Yeah. Um, but I've always kind of had that attitude, like, well, you know, if he's, if he's not around. And I do I do actually um, have seen and spoken mm-hmm. to my dad. It's, right. not, it's not like he was left and gone. It was just kind of yeah. um, in and out when it went the suits, kind of no, thing. Well, um, I
0: mean, sometimes but, it's worse, though, isn't it? You know, it's kind of like it's the unpredictability of it, I guess.
1: Yeah, I think I just didn't expect anything from him. And I think that was the difference with my my siblings would kind of be very disappointed a lot. And I was just like, don't don't mm-hmm. need him, don't need anything from him. And that was that was the difference between how we dealt with it.
0: Yeah. So it kind of it kinda of, in a way, in an inadvertent way, it's made you very resilient and almost kind of like but do do you feel that I mean Talk, talk, talk a bit more about kind of since then but do you feel that kind of in a way it helped you with your drive and your resilience and the way you are now I'm sure you seem a very robust you know independent and opinionated and confident person but also um you know you were probably probably shielding yourself <laughs> from any emotion as well talk to us about that in terms of kind of how that how that
1: affected you yeah I think um this tends like therapy session <laughs> <laughs> so, <hope> <laughs> well <you> um, and <laughs> Yeah, I think that it just, I just, because of how I just dealt with it. And like, also another thing was I saw my mum struggle, although she wasn't, you know, she tried to hide that she was struggling. I saw her struggle and I felt like the situation could have been different. Yeah. So I kind of had this mindset like I don't ever want to be in that position where I'm struggling for money or where I'm, um, like, dependent on somebody. And not that she was dependent on him, but it's that kind of seeing struggle and being like, I don't want to be vulnerable, I don't want to ever be like that. So I've always been of the mindset, like, I always said, yeah, I'm not interested in getting married, I don't really care, people just get right. divorced anyway. That right. was literally my attitude, I like, I'm not interested in it. Um, that's since changed but it's it's just funny what you kind of take from it and how how you move move forward and through these things, I yeah. You know,
0: yeah. It's interesting when you use the word introvert. I mean, at school I was very, very shy. Uh, throughout my kind of most of my life, I've been very, very shy. But on the flip side, I've built massive businesses. I'm a podcast host. I've, you know, I've I've done loads of kind of things that expose myself and led businesses. I go into bit. I don't, so it's, I've got there's a bit of a paradox. I've, I've had mental health, and all, I think there's a lot of similarities with you around. On one hand, you're probably quite reserved and quite introverted. But on the other hand, you you would you would call us, you know, you would call out somebody as well.
1: Yeah, I think it's funny, I went to a networking event recently, actually, and um, I was talking to someone, I was saying about me and my partner, so me and my partner are in um, business together, but just generally we're quite opposite, um, and she was like, oh, do you think, would you, you're the extrovert then, and I was like, oh my god, that's such a compliment, like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but I do think um, I'm kind of somewhere between, like, I need time to recharge, but I do like being around and speaking with people, so... yeah. Um, I think the shyness and stuff is kind of was from fear of judgment more than actually not wanting to be yeah. um, be social. So, like a lot, of my mum said to me, like, "You have always been a perfectionist. Like everything that you did, you wanted to be perfect, and you were so hard on yourself mm. if it wasn't." And I'm still like that now, but I think that's where a lot of my shyness came from because I just was so. Worried about getting something
0: wrong. That's really interesting, and a lot. A lot of people say that. And I, again, reverting back to myself, I, I, always, I did things I think for the wrong purpose. I was doing things to kind of impress other people, and the fear of people judging me or make or them thinking that I was inferior or not good enough was was a driving force, but also is quite debilitating. Why do you, Why do you think that so was or maybe still is so important to you? You know what people think of you. Oh, I
1: feel like that's a really hard question. Um, I don't really know. I think it is, I'm really hard on myself as well. Um, so I kind of have always said, like, I think that I'm hard on myself, but I don't know if that is for, like, for being yeah. accepted or, you know, maybe maybe that's something deeper where it goes back to, you know, rejection being mm being left. Um, I don't know. I've never, I haven't actually ever had any kind of therapy, which I think I should. Like, I think that there's kind of issues there that I probably haven't worked out, but I've become quite good at kind of the self-help thing. So I've worked through a lot on my own, just through doing research and and stuff. And it's the same with, um, I speak a lot about mental health on a lot of my, a lot of my posts and within um, the business, that we've got as well we do the mental health training for corporations and that's something I'm really passionate about and I think it's because I've come so far with it
0: yeah
1: from going from someone who like bottles everything up will not speak about anything to anybody because I literally didn't speak to like I was like I'm always going to say like emotionless for like years and I would always say like, yeah, I don't cry. Yeah, I don't cry. And then something kind of happened and I was just like crying. I I think I just like held in for literally years and then got to like a breaking point. So Mm. I remember um, I was at work and I'm like, I literally spilled some milk on the floor and I like was crying and I was laughing at myself crying, but I was like, what is wrong with me? I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's just because it just came out. And then it's kind of gradually come out more and more. But there's always that thing where I'm trying to, like, control control it. Um, and it's only really, I would say, the last year that I've actually accepted that it's fine to have emotions and be vulnerable and mm-hmm. be open with it. And a lot of, you know, if people, people do see my posts on LinkedIn. They probably think, like, what you seriously you never spoke but I, I literally talk openly about everything now and yeah it really it's been it's kind of been like therapy
0: for me I think I think it helps you and it helps other people as well that there's loads there actually around I really want to delve into the self-help stuff that you mentioned your mental health stuff that you're yes. doing as well you're a bit of a phenomenal on LinkedIn you've got a great kind of following great cadence and great kind of people um liking your content but going back to this whole piece around um you know, that fear of failure and, you know, maybe it was your dad. I, I believe there's always a root cause to, to these things. And I, and I feel and I feel there's always two schools. I say this quite a lot on every podcast, actually, but I still believe it. there's there's two schools of thought. I think everyone's got their trauma and adversity. Your adversity could be deemed as worse or, or less worse, or whatever, it doesn't really matter. It's still your adversity and your, your trauma and your feelings. But I personally believe when something like that happens, you can either bury it and you can march on forward and carry on, But unless you actually address it and process it, I don't think you'll ever really, in in, in a cold light of day, you ever really get to that point where, um, you know, you you can actually move to to another level. And I feel that it's always a process isn't it as well or there's other people that say no if you keep talking about it you just you just become the story you become a victim and i think there's a, there's that there's that to it as well so maybe maybe there's somewhere in between but for me personally talking about it i did it on linkedin as well processing it it's really helped me to move forward and help others as well what's your what's your view on kind of like whether I mean, you mentioned you all have therapy and counseling but it's not for everyone right
1: no exactly and I think that's the important thing I've always been curious about it that's the thing I, I have been curious but I've not been in a place where I'm comfortable enough to even speak to somebody about how I'm feeling so I've never felt the confidence to you know now I would because I understand how I feel and why I feel and I analyze everything right. so right. I do that anyway with other people and I've always done it I I'm part of you the know, benefit of being quieter is yeah. I watch people and analyze people and not in like a judgy way but just to understand people yeah. um and my attention to detail is awful it's like feelings like I can just tell of, like bit of an empath I can just tell if like someone's like genuine you know yeah. like you know someone's Ooh. kind of like and it, I can just kind of feel it, and I'm like, well, something's a bit off there. I'm not sure what, but and then it kind of comes out. But from analysing other people, and then I kind of realised that um, not that I thought I had no faults, but I kind of was like, I should really be doing this myself because I I just kind mm. of like accept this is how I am. But actually, I want to understand why I am how I am and why I behave, yes. how I do certain situations, um, why I'm like triggered by things and situations, why. You know why do I react? How I react to things? Yeah, and it was all kind of doing like little bits of research into little things, and it was like just googling, just looking online. And I know, like, people say you don't Google stuff, but there's a lot of good stuff on there. (laughs) Like, you kind of you get into a bit of like a rabbit hole, don't you? And then um, before you know it, you're like, wow, yeah,
0: yeah,
1: stuff in a whole area I didn't even know about.
0: (laughs) So what was the kind of the, the turning point around you kind of being quite introverted and keeping things to yourself to then literally blazing yourself on LinkedIn and going, look at me and what's on just literally fucking telling anyone anything, which is, which I think so as well, I think it's a great thing, but what was the only thing that triggered that at all? Um, so I, I
1: think it kind of stems from, I was in before um, I was doing what I'm doing now with my partner, with our business, I was working um, for another company and there was, it was, I didn't have the best experience there and it made my mental health decline um which was so like my anxiety so I remember like sitting yeah. at my desk and I would just feel completely like overwhelmed with anxiety or just like a wave of I'd be sat there and no one would know like I yeah. it's all inside, but I would just feel completely overwhelmed in the atmosphere and everything just yeah. it really affected me and then I decided that I needed to get out of out of that environment and um From then onwards, kind of leaving that environment, it it didn't end on the best terms. And there was ongoing things that went on after that, which also had an impact. So, and this was all at the same time as like the pandemic starting, lockdown, everything. So I had... um, I had like um, tribunal stuff, court cases going on and trying to set up a business that we weren't ready to go with because Mm. it all happened really quickly. Obviously lockdown and um, we weren't entitled to any um, financial support because of the situation. So it was kind of like, right, we've got this little bit here. How long is this going to last? How long is this going to go on for? So there was all of these things that were just like on me and it went from being like oh my anxiety is quite bad to finding myself in like a bit of a hole so I kind of um, had spoken to my partner a bit about anxiety and just kind of said yeah I can't really explain it I just feel like just feel anxious it comes from nowhere sometimes and it's just it's just this thing that I have to deal with but I manage it well so you don't really need to understand it because I've got it I've got it under control Um, and then it changed to a point where I didn't And it was affecting my behaviour, like I was becoming more snappy, I was becoming quite like withdrawn and like um, I couldn't function. And I was having anxiety attacks. I've said to a few people actually something that really made me realise that it was an issue was I was basically having anxiety attacks every single day. And I didn't actually realize what they were because when I thought of panic, anxiety attack, I think of like breathing, not being able to breathe, like something, someone sat on your chest and like you hear all these kind of things of what it is, but mine wasn't like that at all. I was having, um, like an out-of-body experience where I felt like I was in a bubble and I couldn't think straight. I couldn't speak, couldn't speak properly. So we would be trying to go through, um, my paperwork and stuff and I was like I just can't speak, I can't verbalise how I'm feeling because I was just having this anxiety attack. Um and it happened almost daily and then I was kind of like this isn't normal. <laughs> like no, I, I should have shouldn't be feeling like this isn't just anxiety. Mm. Um this isn't manageable I'm not managing it. Mm. Um and it also kind of creeps into depression so I would have days where I was hyper anxious um, but I would get up and be like, right, I need to do stuff. What do I need to do? And then I'd have days where I'm like, I just don't want to do anything. I don't care. I don't want to drop the shower. I don't want to brush my teeth. I don't want to eat. Like, I just did not want to do anything. And it was like, it was quite confusing for me because I didn't understand the depression side of it. And to have anxiety and depression is like a very, very close thing. Like, you literally don't know what you're going to get when you wake up. So, um, that was another thing when I started realizing that it was creeping into depression because Mm. before that point I had, I didn't understand how people could attempt suicide. I I just couldn't get my head around it. I was like, I don't understand how someone can be that low. Like there's always someone there. There's always something that you can. And then I remember like having a moment of being like, do you know what? If I didn't have the amazing support I have, I can see how that would be a thought in my head. Wow. Um, So that was like a real like moment for me. I was like, Mm -hmm. fucking hell, like all these years of thinking, like having all these kind of um, thoughts about, about people with like suicide attempts and things and having these presumptions. And until I actually felt in that place, I didn't really realize how it felt. So that was something that kind of, pushed me to want to educate myself more and understand more about it
0: that's amazing i mean on one hand you know the the the, the daily anxiety attacks and and uh and depression is absolutely awful when 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 we're in that situation it's like it's the worst thing ever but it sounds like something really positive's come out of that as well, because it's educated you and it's 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 completely changed your perception of people and life. I, I, I would say as well. And it, isn't it isn't it funny how sometimes we, we go through that real fucking hard shit, um, but something great's come out of it. And now now you're kind of serving and helping others. So it, in a way, you know, I, I I've become a bit more spiritual. Dare I say? And I know it's dodgy ground for some people. But in a way, do you feel that you kind of through that through that shit, you kind of found yourself a little bit and actually thought, actually, I've got a bit of a purpose now.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think I, I was on LinkedIn anyway, but I was only on LinkedIn for um, and other social media. I would kind of post, you know, like the normal like, holiday pictures and whatever, and just put like little bits on there. I was never like a prolific poster. Yeah. Um, and then. I kind of got into LinkedIn because I was like, right, we need to do the business stuff. And I know this is where we need to be. Like this is where we need to kind of have a presence, but I didn't know how to to use it. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, And then just kind of watching other people. And one thing that really helped me was seeing other people be really vulnerable. So, I think when you go into kind of LinkedIn, you're like thinking like, oh, it's all these professional people. Like I need to make sure that I'm professional. And then when you see people who are like business owners and things speaking about like mental health and speaking about struggles and it's like, like, okay, so it is okay. You can still be successful and have issues like everyone's got issues.
0: What would you say to those? I mean, mean, I've been a mental health advocate for quite a while now and I've used LinkedIn. Uh, for my own benefit, as well as serving others. And, you know, I love the vulnerability of it. And as you say, I'm really pleased. In a way, COVID's brought that forward as well, which is great. But there's still this 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 section of, of, of society that say, oh, bloody mental health, everyone plays the mental health card, you know, looking for sympathy. Or What would you say to kind of the, the mental health doubters out there um, who, who just, you know, just think we're looking for sympathy or whatever? I
1: think I would just say it's fine to not understand it. Like you don't have to understand it. I think it's really hard to understand something like mental health when you can't see it and you haven't experienced it. Mm-hmm. Um, even like with me having so I, I did do a post about it. My sister attempted suicide. Um, when I was about seventeen, she was like 14, 15. and um, I, I told everybody that she was attention seeking. I had people say, "Oh, is everything okay?" Yeah, she's just attention-seeking. She she does it like she's done it before. It's not the first time, and that was my attitude to it because that's what I thought it was. I didn't understand it. Yes. Um, And now looking back, I'm like, yeah, okay, I probably could have been more supportive. I could have like been been different towards Mm. her. Um. But that you know that's how that that's how I thought it was, and I don't feel so don't feel bad about that but i think it's being willing to understand yeah
0: it i think as well what what the feeling i'm getting from you is like you know it takes a while to to learn it but you you, you're curious you're educating yourself and you you don't mind missing that back then you might have been a bit naive to it and, and you're open about that as well and i think everyone can make mistakes everyone can do the wrong thing the right thing but it's about trying to like be curious and do and you know educate yourself and others and that i think that's the difference between You know, someone can have an opinion, but if you're not prepared to then at least listen or be curious or find out, you're never going to grow, are you?
1: Yeah, exactly. And now, like you say, so many people speak about mental health. Like, how can you not think it's a thing? (laughs) Like, how can you not think it's real when so many people are sharing their experiences of it? Yeah. Um. You know, like just because I haven't done and been through something, I'm not going to say that somebody else hasn't experienced it. It doesn't because you can't live life thinking that just because you haven't experienced something it doesn't exist and everyone else is is wrong that's just such a small place to live in isn't it
0: it is I, I want to go back but then I also want to go forward to kind of now as well but going back you just touched on it where your your sister tried to uh, attempt to end her life which is which is horrific talk to us about maybe some of the reasons why or, or, or also your other siblings and the, the, the trouble they had and you had as, as a collective kind of four as well.
1: Yeah, so I, I was always, you know, I kind of went through school and was just, I was fine. I did quite well. I was, had like quite like a stable group of friends and just just plodded on through it, really. Mm. Um, my sister is younger than me and then I've got two brothers that are younger as well. Um, and My sister was more... Um, more affected I think um and she had a lot of had to go through a lot of like bullying and she just she just had a really tough time at school yeah Um, and there was like various reasons for that um and yeah she she just got got to that point where she was just enough you know she wouldn't go to school I remember her and my mum having like physical fights and like her trying to like attack my mum yeah. Um my mum was trying to get her to, you know, go to school or do do something that, you know, should be quite a a straightforward thing. But we I always just thought of her as like just being difficult mm. and just being a bit of a bitch <laughs> to be well, honest. Um and that's just and then when with that I was just kind of like I had this opinion of her like she's she just like a bitch. Like she yeah I always used to say like I am quite like um I don't really argue, it takes a lot to get me to that point and she was one person that could really wind me up. Like she's probably the only person I've actually ever had a physical fight with in my life okay. <laughs> because she just knows how to press people's buttons. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she, she's in a much better place now um, but at that age, she just had a really tough time and she just mm. wasn't managing well. Um, but then I obviously saw the impact that that was having on my mum. So then I think I kind of felt like I was siding with my mum by
0: yeah.
1: having that kind of view, if you know what I mean.
0: How, how did this uh, this whole kind of growing up stage affect your... Do you feel it's affected your future relationships now in terms of... With me, I've, I found it hard to trust people for various different reasons. I'm kind of through that now, but I've still got, I've still got remnants of my past I'm still working through. So talk to us about that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I Like I said, I was really... Um, independent like I don't want to ask for help I want to do whatever I can myself and just really reluctant to accept any kind of help or let let go of any control um so I had a relationship previously to the one I've got now and it was very like it, it just quite mature, really but it was there was I was always like right this is what we're going to do this is I'm this is my money this is your money we split everything and I was so mm-hmm. like cautious about giving too much and Mm -hmm. having um that kind of relationship where i'm like i'm working this is mine Mm -hmm. we share we can share things but this is yours and Mm -hmm. having it very separate Mm -hmm. Um, and my my partner that i'm with now with his previous relationships is all like yeah all money goes into a joint bank and we share everything and i'm like what like but you're you're working and they're not working that's not fair like how how you like, yeah. and it was kind of having, I didn't understand how you could kind of be that. I know it's all about money a lot, but that's just something that kind of is, for me, a control thing. And I think that money gives you, gives you freedom. Yeah. Um, and if yeah. you don't have money, you're not comfortable, then you don't have choices. So that's, that's my kind of... Um, my kind of view on it but he was very different and we've kind of met in the middle with it now um where we you know are quite we share quite a lot and but it's a lot for me to kind of build that down and be like can I trust you to share things with and I think it was a trust thing
0: I'm I'm so much I mean that resonates with me so much it's only been recently I've kind of accepted the fact that in, in my previous relationships that you know, I'd, I'd kind of ring fence my. I'd be in a relationship with someone, but ring fence my money and ring fence some of the stuff because I just wouldn't want to let go of that control. It was a real. I look back, and it was probably the sense of loss, and maybe with you, it is about you know talking through some of that that those emotions when your dad left. Because maybe your dad leaving, you feel as if you need to protect yourself, and and maybe money is a way of protecting yourself. It's, it's often it's is that is that it goes far that back that far actually. Mm-hmm
1: yeah it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me but I think a lot of it is around like trust and
0: control Mm, yeah with me and what what you've mentioned self self self-help which is really interesting so what what have you self-helped yourself with then to kind of evolve yourself through all this
1: um I think a lot of so firstly the mental health stuff so understanding anxiety and understanding like triggers and things that for me and understanding like how it affects other people as well because i think how when people are affected by a mental health issue it can present so differently compared to somebody else so i like to understand how it can present in others and also i think that's good because if it changes in yourself which it can differently you kind of have more awareness over that um also a lot to do with kind of um say personality disorders um I haven't been diagnosed with anything anything like that but I can see traits yeah. in my behaviour mm. um and I just like to and it's like the deeper like psychology I like to try and understand why yeah I am how I am. So I've done kind of a lot of research on like personality types and um like okay. psychology and things and I don't have like a big understanding of it mm. um in comparison to you know someone who's a professional but I just like I find it interesting, so I find it easy to kind of read about and understand.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. So, talk to us about kind of you went up to your mid twenties, and from there, kind of to what you're doing now. Because there's um, your business is called Elite Force Safety. I'm interested in all that kind of stuff and the mental health and how it all fits together. So, talk us through the last sort of. I don't know how old you are, but since twenty five, let's let's go, let's do that. Right. Twenty nine
1: now, <laughs> thirty and, this year. Oh wow, okay. close
0: <laughs> thirty. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't feel too bad about it. I'm like,
1: it's fine.
0: <laughs> You look great for thirty. God.
1: Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I think the the business was kind of born from. So my my partner has a health and safety background. So the business is a training tra- corporate training, mm-hmm. um, and initially it was around um, manual handling. And then what we kind of realised was with all this thing going on about the mental health, like mental health is a big issue and it's something that I mean I don't know from what I've kind of seen a lot of a lot of places kind of train people as mental health first aiders which is great Mm -hmm. you know anyone being educated about mental health is a positive in my opinion but as like a corporate thing there's a massive disconnect because you've got people trained as mental health first aiders um, and if you've got a bigger company with, say, a thousand people and you've got, you know, 20 mental health first yeah. how do those other people know what they do? How, exactly. how do they know when to go to them or what they're actually capable of? And I think that's the, the thing, you you know, for example, if you've got a male-dominated industry with a load of, you know, truck drivers who are, you know, mid kind of that, of that age of that generation where, like, oh, just man up, get on with it. Because I yeah. do think that is quite a generational thing. Definitely. Um, if they've not got any awareness about mental health, then they're not going to go and speak to a mental health first aider. Like, right. that's not. I get it. So by giving everybody awareness training and then having the mental health first aiders and then having managers yeah. being trained and then having ongoing support, it's just it links it all together so it's not just having the you know oh yeah we've got a mental health first aid we've done our bit because yeah. it's
0: not good enough no i mean they, they say one in four people have mental health but everyone has mental health and you're right it's, it's the misunderstanding of the complexity and the severity of it you can't just do a training course or or do something for mental health or wellness uh, a week or have a couple of mental health first aiders you, you're right you've got to you've got to you've got to educate everybody um, and I think it does come from the top it comes from people like you also the leaders of the business talking and, and them being vulnerable as well because I, I feel there's a step further with it the leaders almost need to show up as, as their true self as well and almost have, have a bit of vulnerability about their own mental health as well what do you think?
1: Mm. It, needs, it needs to be a culture change really and I for like a long time was very conscious about not, not appearing vulnerable and for me being open now about mental health you know I've had a lot of people message me and people that I've seen like friends have been, oh I really like the mental health stuff you're doing and I'm like Thanks. <laughs> and it's really weird because I'm kind of putting everything out there for yeah. you know all these people to see but then it's worth it for the messages and people that I get saying like you really helped me thank you so much and that's something that I never thought would i would do or would come from it it was always just like right let's get the business up and going and it's developed into me sharing and probably oversharing on a lot and feeling like i'm helping people and i think i've found like my little little niche what i what i'm comfortable speaking about and feel like that's given me a bit more purpose in what i'm doing
0: I think absolutely you, you and me both on that point and on that point actually LinkedIn has brought everybody together I think it's brought mental health and well-being to the forefront but also I'm sure you get this as well with the amount of posts that you do and the amount of feedback you get you know there are a lot there's still lots of trolls and lots of people that are bullying on, on there and uh, what's well, your sort of approach and general feeling towards trolls and the, the whole LinkedIn kind of that kind of that kind of thing. I had a very really mixed
1: um, approach with it I think I got off really lightly like at first I didn't really have any I have the occasional like it's on Facebook comment but you're kind of like oh, go away like that's okay. not like personal it's not um it's not a dig it's just someone being a bit of a knob so that was like fine but then more recently I've definitely noticed that I've got a lot more kind of personal mm. um bowling and people kind of just being rude and I I struggled with it because yeah, I don't take criticism well at all. I never, never have, and that's another thing with the whole perfectionist thing. And I know that's something that I that I struggle with. So to have someone like criticize you when you post, I've tried different things. I tried um, yeah. deleting the comment and blocking. I tried replying. I tried like you know all these different different things. But then I found that it was still getting on top of me because if I was replying to a comment and standing my ground, which is what I want to do, and so I don't want to like mm. just delete it and be like oh goodbye although although that's probably the healthiest thing you can do I feel like I need to defend myself sometimes
0: you get um, so, I think you get sucked into it sometimes don't you? you feel like you have to defend yourself or you feel like you've got a duty of care and all this kind of and what what I found is that when we're kind of trying to help other people as well sometimes we don't heed our own advice or we forget or we don't reach out to other people as well do you know what I'm trying to say you can get so into it and forget about yourself and your own mental health
1: and I think also when you're sharing something that's really personal or you share a lot of personal stuff, it's hard not to take the comments personally. So like if I was just posting business stuff, business stuff, business stuff, and someone left a comment, up, like, oh, like, piss off. And I wouldn't take yeah. it personally, but I'm literally like putting it out there. Like I'm opening my whole life and my internal feelings that, of yeah. things that I was like petrified to speak about for years out there. And then you get a negative comment and you're like, it, it hurts, it does. Mm-hmm. Um, my new my new approach, which I'm enjoying, I actually did a post about it yesterday, is um, I reply to the comment on my post, um, kind of, you know, whether it's all right, thanks for input, have a nice day or whatever, or if it's something yeah. that I feel like I can spend myself a bit more on, I'll reply to the comment and then I'll block them instantly. So what happens is they get a notification that I've replied but they can't open the comment.
0: Right. And it. they can't reply. <laughs> It's like, great. I
1: say, fair enough. Argument done, and yeah. I, I just—it I, makes me. It's a bit petty, but it's like making me really smug. I'm like, yeah, I've won the argument. You can't argue back because you're coming on my post and giving me shit. So I will have the last word, and then you can go away. <laughs>
0: I think that's it. I think I've changed. I used, to try, I used to try and kill them with honey or educate or be, be quite a very, very empathetic. But I think you reach a point where being empathetic all the time isn't always a solution as well. Sometimes you have to call them out. And really, I, I think it's situation dependent because I I, I I had one a couple of weeks ago. He was vicious. He was really, really bad. And actually, he then publicly apologized to me, which which, which gave me such a sense of fulfillment because I feel like I, was, I educated him as well. But yeah. I think when it starts to affect your mental health, I think blocking is a good, good example or, or ignoring them. But you need, well, I think we just need to be careful that um, we don't get so far into it that we, you know, we, we have to defend ourselves on every single thing. But I, mean, I admire you for what you're doing. I think it's absolutely great. So what, what, sort, of, what sort of advice would you like to give anyone who um, is struggling or has struggled with their own mental
1: health? Um, something that I think, I, I know people always say talk and people you know I think it's right I think it, help, it is the right approach for a lot of people but I think something that you, people kind of miss out with that is that sometimes you don't feel ready to talk or you don't know how to talk or how to explain your how you're feeling so I would say that maybe firstly try and write it down yeah. rather than try to verbalise it mm-hmm. um, and secondly like do some do some research like try and understand it because if you don't understand what you're feeling it's really hard to verbalize it so if you just do a little bit of research about you know like depression or anxiety however you're feeling just try and do a bit of self-education and then it might put you in a better place to feel comfortable to talk about it um because i know if i hadn't done that then i wouldn't be speaking about it now like i would just be keeping it all in, probably, probably having like a bit of a breakdown at some point, but doing that self-education helped me know how to verbalize it and how to explain Mm. what I'm thinking. Um, And I think as well, it's like, you don't need to fit into a box. You know, I've said about anxiety and about depression. They're just things that I've experienced and I can see, you know, things from that, that I've experienced, but it doesn't have to be categorized as something you can just be feeling crap and you can just have these things and explain it it doesn't need to be like oh i'm this or i'm that if you feel shit talk about it or try and talk about it because that's also how it can develop into deeper issues if you don't
0: that's really good yeah so you don't have to label yourself do you it's just i think but i think writing it down speaking to people is, is really really good going going back to yourself then in terms of if you were 15 or 18, you know, that sort of age again, is there any, any regrets that you've got or anything you would do differently? If you if you could turn the clock back and re rerun your life, what would you change?
1: I don't think I would change anything that's happened, um, but I think I would just, like, tell myself not to be... not not to worry about other people like don't worry about what other people think do what feels right and I always kind of did anyway but I was just so I put so much pressure on myself like worrying about it so it would take me longer to do what I wanted to do because I was worried about judgment so I think like don't worry about other people because whatever you do people are going to judge you absolutely so you might as well just do what you actually want (laughs)
0: <laughs> definitely absolutely and i have to say you've achieved so much uh you, you're very inspirational you come across as someone who's very independent but also um is willing to speak their mind Is very honest very very self-aware as well yourself and your partner and your business what's what's the, what's the future looking going to look like for you inside of work outside of work What your sort of what's your vision really
1: i think um like i enjoy doing the business stuff i do i do enjoy it but ultimately you know I like helping people so that's I'm really lucky that's something that we do through our training so I get that satisfaction but long-term goal like I just want to be happy and be financially free like I don't want to be worrying about about money I want to be able to enjoy my life and be happy and I think that that's achievable now because I've pushed myself out of what was comfortable yeah. to put myself in a situation where that is an opportunity and it's it's been really hard and it's been like a difficult thing to do but yeah. I don't regret regret it because I wouldn't have the opportunities that I do now if I hadn't
0: amazing and just just for the audience in terms of what your business actually does if you were to summarize that how would you wrap up what you do in case that someone wants to kind of hire you for your services
1: Yeah, so we do corporate training for businesses, but we do training programs. So we don't just come in and do the training and leave you to it. We offer ongoing support and we tailor each program to the business. So we look at the demographic. We look at your um, requirements with um, staff numbers, shift patterns, and, you know, we work around you. Um, And we do, so we do the mental health, we do manual handling, and then we also do a lot of leadership and management training as well. And it all kind of fits in together. Um, so, yeah, we, we tailor programs. And it's not the tick box thing where you just, yeah, I've done, done my training, done. Yeah. It's for people and businesses that actually want to have an impact and want to have a difference.
0: I just want to touch on that point because I saw that on your LinkedIn before we closed. When you say it's not tick box, I agree. What, the sense I get from that is not necessarily a defined program and it's job done. Is it more kind of holistic and personable? What do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, exa- exactly that it's, we, we look at what issues you've got. So we, before we do anything, we have a training needs analysis. So we'll come in and actually assess what you need in your business. Um, You know, normally we get approached about like one topic, but we can offer other, other topics. So like if we get approached for the manual handling, then we will go with that initially. But then there's the um, mental health and other things that we offer because it's hard sometimes to do if you can't do everything. It's better. It's kind of focused um, on one area and then move on to something else.
0: I think you're on point. It's similar to what I do. I, th- I think going on the days where you you hire a trainer and they they just they roll out a program. It's, it, it is about the softer skills: compassion, empathy, vulnerability, understanding, emotional intelligence. Before you even get out a you know a pen and copy something out of a book or a manual, it's, it's everything, isn't it? Yeah,
1: exactly. And that's how you get get results from from it that's how you you know the whole point of having having training is to get results and improve things and if you're just going to do the bare minimum you're not going to get that so it's yeah we don't do that
0: (laughs) amazing we could talk for longer i'm i was really thrilled to have you on you didn't disappoint some amazing stuff in this episode um before we go any 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 final words and also where can where can most people find you i'm assuming linkedin but (laughs)
1: yeah i think linkedin's probably your best bet i put a lot on that um yeah just thank you so much for having me i'm just really grateful to have the opportunity to come on and speak to you it's been really good your you. star
0: thanks so much jamie appreciate it Thanks. the purpose Led leadership podcast is sponsored by Pincherry. Vincerey, our all-in-one CRM and ATS platform, purpose-built for recruitment and staffing agencies. I chose to partner with Vincerey because, honestly, I'm a customer. They keep me competitive, plug into my calendar and email, and make the whole admin part of my job as a recruiter a hell of a lot easier. The Purpose and leadership podcast lists to get 25% off Vincerey's onboarding. So if you're looking for a recruitment CRM to accelerate your growth, check them out at vincerey.io forward slash Chris O'Connell.